Welcome to the Grad School Femtoring Podcast, the place for first-gen students of color to prepare for grad school. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Fu, and I will be serving as your femtor, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into and successfully navigate grad school. For over 10 years, I've been helping first-gen students of color get into top grad programs in their field, and I'm really excited to support you on your academic journey too. Welcome everyone to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. I am super excited because I have another wonderful guest today who's gonna to be talking to us all about housing and funding in master's programs. Our guest today is Cristina V. Rodriguez and she is a multicultural and equity-minded marketer and educator with a commitment in creating equitable opportunities for women of color in business housing, and academia. Christina received her bachelor's degree in Latino-Latina studies from San Francisco State University, and then went on to receive her master's degree, MBA in particular, with an emphasis in marketing at Notre Dame de Namur University. She is currently pursuing her doctorate in educational leadership and provides 15 plus years of experience uh, with marketing in the San Francisco Bay Area. So. Welcome to the podcast, Christina. What up, what up? Thank you, Dr. Yvette. Thank you for creating space <laughs> for me and Latinas with Masters. Yay! <laughs> it's so funny because I was thinking about it. I was like, oh shit, her platform is Latinas with Masters and I don't have a master's degree. <laughs> uh, listen, if I knew that I don't need a master's to get a PhD, I would have skipped that route too, girl, but <laughs> we could talk about that. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> All right, so... Um, I'd love for you to get us started by sharing a little more about yourself, your background for folks who maybe haven't heard uh, about you and just a little more about your personal and professional trajectory. Absolutely. Allah. Every time everybody asks me that, like, where do I start? Okay. So I know, I'm excited. Let's, <laughs> okay. Let's see what I can come up with here. Um, so I am a daughter of immigrants. I'm actually born and raised in San Francisco Bay Area. My parents um, immigrated here from Nicaragua um, during the late 70s, you know, during the Nicaragua Revolution War. Um, and I am first generation to attend and graduate college. Um, I am a mother of two. Um, and a dog mom. I like to throw in my chihuahua, frijol, aka bean. Um, frijolito. Frijolito, we call him frijolito. Yes, he's brown. Um, like my daughter says, he's Latina with master's brown. Um, and let's see, um, I know you shared my academic journey, but yeah, it took me 10 years to graduate with my bachelor's degree. Um, I did start off at a community college and I had multiple gap years because I didn't know if education was for me. And then um, I had, I, I remember I was working at a bank and they told me, you know, that I couldn't get a particular position because I didn't have a bachelor's degree. And so then that was a reminder of like, this is going to be the last time that I get denied of a job just because I don't have a degree. Um, so that motivated me to like hustle and grind. Um, and so then I got my bachelor's in Latino studies from SF State. Uh, I did want to transition into like immigration, which is why I, I kind of fell in love with Latino studies because I got to learn a lot about, um, you know, Latino America and our culture and, and just different migration patterns. Um, and then, um, but I was working in housing at the time and housing was opening all of these opportunities. And so then um, I continued with the housing um, career path and um, 
I decided, you know what, let me go back and get my master's. Um, and so I got my master's degree in marketing, which I'll discuss more when you ask me more questions. Um, and then I was like, let's go get a doctorate degree, right? And so um, <laughs> I really felt that with what was happening, um, definitely what happened with George Floyd really elevated just my appetite for learning and be like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, I want to change. I want to disrupt shit. Like what's happening? And it sucks that it took a man's life for us to, and, and a pandemic for us to reimagine and reevaluate, you know, the things that we want to invest in. But I definitely feel like that was a blessing because it really, you know, changed my perspective on so many levels, right? As a mother, from the way that our children are educated in this system to the way just my own academic journey, like, oh, that's not normal. Oh, that's a microaggression. Okay, cool. Like now I know. And then, um, and the things that we deal with, you know, as a woman of color in, 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 in corporate America. So there's a lot of reevaluating that I did. And then I created Latinas with Masters as a result of it. So I know that's a big like intro of myself, but literally this is like the raw, authentic self of me. It's like, I'm an open book and I'm here to kind of say like, enough is enough. You know, it doesn't have to be hard for you to achieve your dreams. Um, I'm not saying that you have to have a degree to be successful, but what I'm saying is that if you do choose that path, then you have like a whole group gang of Latinos, Latinas, you know, whoever your support group is, you know, to support you in that journey, you know? Um, and so that, that's really what Latinas with Masters is about. That's, your story is so incredible. Um, I got chills just hearing about, about your trajectory. And I love that in many ways it is non-traditional. Um, because that's kind of one of the, I guess, overarching threads that comes up in conversations in my podcast is like of folks carving their own path and of folks kind of developing their own timelines and doing things according to what works best for them. So whether that means taking time off, taking a gap year, gaining some work experience, like you name it, you, you've had that as well. Um, I know we're here to talk about about funding and about um, housing and master's programs but I actually I'm very curious because you said that you you got your MBA but then you decided to pursue a PhD so you you mentioned that there are in the incidents of of um, just the George Floyd incident and other just mass killings and blatant like um, acts of terrorism and racism was that the catalyst for you to go on and get a PhD? Because that's not the usual story that I hear when folks say they want to get a PhD. Usually it's, oh, I want to get a career in X. That's why I get a PhD. Or, oh, I've always loved to read books and, you know, moving on to a PhD was the next step. So it's, it's, it's I'm just, I want to hear a little bit more about that. Absolutely. I feel like every every academic path that I had, I feel like you, your purpose and your why changes, right? At first, when I got my bachelor's, it was like, oh, I'm the first, you know, like I got to get a bachelor's degree, you know, Latinos are not, mm -hmm. we don't unfortunately, you know, have high numbers in graduating, right? And so I wanted to kind of check that box. And then when I decided to get my master's, it was because a resident where I was managing an apartment complex was like, no, you are a businesswoman. Like you manage a multi-million dollar asset. You do budgets, you do training, you do marketing. That is a businesswoman. And I was like, man, I was considering myself like an employee. Like, I, and I would have thought you were done at that point. Like I got my MBA. I know about business. I'm going to go on and start my, yeah. my, my Latinas with masters, you know, I don't know what you call it. Like empire. your empire. Yes, your empire. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, girl, I'm telling you, I thought, um, you know, when I got my master's, I was working in housing. Again, I transitioned to the corporate level and I was doing marketing. And then I was like, something was still missing. I felt like, yeah, everything that I learned with my master's degree and, and me in marketing and me doing the work in marketing, I was like, okay, cool. Like I see it as an advancement, but then I'm like, something is missing. And so I did apply for PhDs. I actually applied to USC um, and I got denied. Um, and I did a little bit of a Kim Kardashian cry, like quick minute, you know, and then I was like, you know what, maybe this is not for me. Maybe, you know, God, I don't know. I'll see where God takes me. Right. And then I applied to Mills college, which is right in my backyard. Right. But I ended up doing it with intention. I was like, okay, what did I not have in, gra in graduate school that I want to have now as a PhD student? And that was a sense of belonging. In my graduate program, my professor didn't look like me or you. My colleagues didn't look like me or you. At times, I was the only Latina, you know, in the space. Um, I felt a lot of imposter syndrome. I didn't have that growing up in San Francisco. I didn't have that growing up in SF State or, you know, having a Latino studies, you know, major. But to answer your question, it was, I applied to Mills College and I didn't hear back from them, right? And at first I was just kind of like, okay, well, where else can I look for? I, I'm the type of person where like, I definitely put all my eggs in one bucket type of thing. So I, I applied to Mills College and then I didn't hear back. And then, um, and then I heard back from them. But then even though, even though I got accepted, I was like, I don't know, like the time commitment, I'm a mm -hmm. mom, I'm working full time. You know, I feel like everybody was quick to tell me why I shouldn't get it. And then I was listening to like, I think I should get it then. Cause if you're telling me I shouldn't get it, I feel like I should get it though. Like, I don't know what, I'm like the opposite, right? <laughs> then George Floyd happened. And then I was like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm gonna go to Mills College. I'm gonna go see what this education leadership is about. Obviously like we're in a pandemic. Our kids are learning online. I'm seeing my kids struggle. I was like, there needs to be change up in here. I don't know what it is. I don't know, you know, what the answer is, but I'm going to learn about it. And I have a big ass mouthpiece and I'm gonna see what I can do about it. So um, that's why I created Latinas with Masters because I wanted to create an online community um, for Latinas and women of color to look at one another and be like, oh, she looks like me and she works in healthcare. Oh, she looks yes. like me. She works in the financial district or she looks like me and she works in housing or all, all of these, you know, industries, because the higher that the higher we get, the less you see us, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and so that's how Latinas with Masters came along. And it was just to share, you know, my past experiences, your past experiences, but then also just to have Latina empowerment, a sense of belonging, as I'm also learning and growing and healing, now that I know yeah. these words of, of, of <laughs> generational trauma, um, you know, and so, and, and that's, you know, the information that I share on, on the platform. It's, it's my experience and your experience and, you know, anything that, you know, people are willing to share to help others, you know, because I'm a firm believer that just because it was hard for me, it doesn't mean it has to be hard for everybody else, yes. you know? And so I feel like we have to kind of like stop that mentality of crabs in a box, right? Like they, I see you and gatekeeping. Oh, you know what? It was hard for me. So I can't let you succeed because you did it way easier. I'm not here to do that. You know? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's complete BS to me too. I feel like <laughs> I too am sometimes too much of an open book and sometimes a bit too transparent, but it was because that's what I was missing in my own kind of educational trajectory. So um, 
we're here to talk about housing and funding. And I feel like you're, you might be, I can't, I can't think of someone better to talk about this because of your experience working in housing. And I'm wondering, you know, what your thoughts are in particular about housing in graduate school. So thinking about housing, think, and I'm thinking about from the perspective of being a student who's interested in grad school or maybe who has applied because some of them are hearing back, getting interviews, Soon they'll find out if they get in. And I, in my conversations with students, I find that they often don't think about that as mm -hmm. closely as their funding package, for instance, but it has a big relationship to the funding package, especially when you take into account cost of living. And so I would just love your thoughts on, you know, if you were advising a student uh, who's thinking about grad school, how would you have this conversation with them about housing and about its kind of relationship with funding? Absolutely. Um, you know, just like when you apply for a job and you re relocate, I mean, housing needs to be considered, right? So I don't see why graduate school, college, right, um, would be any different. And I will tell you right now, me working in housing, I can tell you that they are not thinking about other industries or, or, or really the relationship that a prospect, right, is what they call them, or a future resident has when making a decision. That's a decision-making process, right? And then you have higher education, you know, accepting students and not really caring or discussing where are you going to, you know, live as you're continuing your education. So we have two industries that don't feel like they intersect with one another, but they absolutely do because you can't accept a graduate program if you don't know where you're going to live. And I can't reserve an apartment if I don't know where I'm gonna to go to school at. And so why these two industries feel like they don't belong together, I don't know. Um, but what I advise um, students or you know, individuals who are interested in you know, advancing their higher education and looking for housing, um, you know, is to definitely look at the benefits of you know either commuting or you know being close by because I was definitely the commuter student I did drive um I never had an opportunity to live on campus and now knowing what I know now I probably wouldn't choose to and the reason being is because when you're a freshman and a sophomore yes you have the opportunity to live on in dorms right and you can have financial aid cover those costs but once you become a junior it's like you're given this piece of paper, most likely outdated, to say, oh, these are all of the nearby, you know, apartments that are renting. Um, and there's no type of like relationship or partnership to want to, you know, um, you know, offer any type of housing, you know, opportunities for them. But I literally feel like that step between a sophomore and a junior, it's like a vaya con Dios type of vibe. Like, here's this paper, go with God. You know what I'm saying? And then as a student, you're like, oh my God, where am I going to live? How much is a deposit? How much is this? And all this other stuff, right? And so there's that portion of it. But then as a graduate student, you're almost like in a different, um, in a different level professionally. And you know, if if you have a family as well, right? Your finances are different, right? So when I went to graduate school, you know, I still lived in my apartment, but I had more expenses, right? I'm now a mother, a new mom. I actually ended up getting pregnant during graduate school. I had prepartum depression. Like there was a lot of things that that I was experiencing. And then, oh shit, I got to make sure though that my payments on time because I don't want to have you know be evicted or go through housing insecurity. And so those are real issues that everyone deals with every day. And so um, 
what I decided to do is change that mindset. I'm here to be like the ally of housing. And so then I started providing housing education workshops to college students, right, to universities and say, hey, I'm here to like give you the basic 101 of like how to rent an apartment because you'd be surprised. People are like, wait, they need like a deposit? What's a deposit? What's oh my education? gosh, yes. Like, you know, <laughs> Can we talk like, about oh, that a little bit? Because yes, again, I've, I've been like FEMTOR students for 10 plus years and I, and I was that student too, like where you don't realize that you have to save up for the move to go to grad school. And then all of a sudden it hits you the summer before and you're like, oh shit, I gotta get a job and save up because yeah. I have to pay for my flights and to get my shit over there. And for this, you know, security deposit and, you know, the first month's rent or whatever it is, you know. So anyway, <laughs> I would yes, love all, to talk more about that. I know those are all expenses that are not considered, you know, when attending graduate school. I feel like it's just like books, tuition, right? Um, the commute or whatever it is, right? It's, it's always academic based, but then you're like, hold up a second, like food on my table, a roof over my head, my car payment, insurance, like there's other things that you have to consider too. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I knew a lot of people that were transitioning housing in the middle of their graduate program to the, I got to move out back to my parents because I can't afford to pay graduate school um, on my own anymore. So they're helping me um, or I have to find another apartment or another house because my landlord, you know, raised my rent and I can no longer afford it. Or I have to move farther towards San Jose or to whichever where the rent's a little bit cheaper, but I'm going to be commuting over to the, you know, the graduate school because I can't afford to live in the area where my school is located. I mean, girl, I can tell you a million stories. I heard them Ooh, all. Oh, I could too, um, because yeah. I spent five years at UCSB. And if you know about Santa Barbara and their housing crisis, it's a whole mess. It's a whole mess. And I it's, heard, I heard. To be frank, unethical what the university is doing with admitting so many students and not being able to provide housing for them. And I have sure. like my own experience with a family member of mine who got into a grad program at UCSB and then got housing. And then the landlord, it was a month to month uh, thing, which, you know, I'm like, mm, maybe you shouldn't have done a month to month um, lease at the last minute like within you know two months of living there asked him to move out um because they were going to sell the house and uh had to find housing and was in insecure housing like in a hotel for a couple of weeks it's just a whole mess and that's one example of like multiple situations of, of students that couldn't find housing and it got it only got further compounded with the pandemic with mm -hmm. folks going oh, yeah. back home and try, now they're asking them to come back and now it's hybrid and it's just a whole mess. Yeah. Housing and security was always there, girl. It was just mm -hmm. a pandemic made it more, made yep. it more that much in your face, right? You couldn't, exactly. like inequities in education, they've always been there, but like the pandemic was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, and so, yeah, seeing both sides, you know, working in housing and then also, you know, uh, being a student. I mean, thankfully, I own my home. I own my home prior to all this happening, but I was dealing with the same shit, girl. And I worked in housing. The only difference is that a landlord couldn't mess with me because I knew my rights. You know what I'm saying? So nice. I was just like, hold up a second. You mailed this. This needs to be 35 days, not 30 days. You have to remail this to me. You know, like those small things make a big difference. And so that's included in my housing education workshop. It's not only renters 101, but it's like, hey, 
you know your rights as a California tenant, you know, mm -hmm. certain counties are like pro tenant and then pro landlord, depending on where you live, because you have rent control. I mean, girl, listen, we can go deep. I can go straight up like, <laughs> but those <laughs> are the things where I'm just like, I want people to at least know where to go to get this information, you know? So where can they go? I have, I have listeners all over the U.S., um, mm -hmm. but I have a good amount of folks in California because that's where I was based before. Mm -hmm. And if they're curious, they're like, well, I know that I'm going to go to grad school in California and uh, they're, you know, haven't been on their own before they're learning how to adult. Um, what are, where, what's a good place, you know, starting point for them to learn their basic housing rights? Yeah. So unfortunately there isn't anything really by, by itself to say like, oh, I'm going to go and learn about it. Right. Unfortunately is when something happens to you that you're like, oh, that was totally <laughs> illegal, right. What I did, uh, what I did, like the law, right. It's like the mm -hmm. law. Um, but you can go to consumeraffairs.gov. Um, that is where it has information about the security deposits and, you know, landlords needing to make repairs in your unit, right? Those are the areas that, you know, it, I mean, yeah, so that would be the section you, you kind of have to look at it by code or look at it through sections. Um, another great source. Um, oh my God, I'm, I'm blanking out. Um, oh, a rent board. So if you live in a rent control county, right, like San Francisco or I know LA or Oakland mm -hmm. or Berkeley, you know, like there's certain areas where there's rent control, certain things apply to them, like California tenant law. But then because it's rent control, there's like a whole nother beast of like rent control board laws. And so that is the rental increase, right? Um, also repairs in your unit. Um, there's also with how a landlord can like communicate with you, or even if they want to evict you, I mean, those are there to protect both the landlord and the tenant. But if you know what your rights are, then you'll know when a landlord's trying to like get over your head and trying to yeah. kick you out because they're trying to quote unquote renovate the unit, but it's really just to get a higher rent because they know they can't increase your rent as a long-term resident. So, um, those are the two places that I would recommend, but and you can, I'm sure there's a consumer affairs gov website in your state, or if you have like a rent control um, county, um, just look, you know, you can Google rent board in and then whatever your county is in that state. And then I'm pretty sure it'll show up. One thing I would add to that is to always read your, um, your contract closely too. Oh, girl. Because yeah. I feel like not enough people read their terms closely. <laughs> I know like I had to do that. <laughs> yeah. It's like 35 pages. A lot of people are like, why am I, you know, signing this? Because unfortunately this happened to someone and now it's the law. You know what I'm saying? So if anything, mm -hmm. it's to your benefit. But I, the way that I would do it is I was, you know, I'm a very ethical person. So I would literally legit be like, this is your lease agreement. These are their terms. This is your rent. This is when rent is due. It's late after this date look at this like I I will spend like you need to like make time for me to go over the lease agreement but some people are like I don't have time and so they sign it and then they come back with like I didn't know that and then it sucks because then I got to be like it's in your lease agreement though remember like you didn't have time to read it yeah. or I've worked with people that are just like here it's your responsibility to read the lease right and so then a lot of people in the housing industry it's like I don't get paid to interpret the lease agreement to you. That is your responsibility as a resident to know what you're signing, right? Which to a certain extent, I agree, but it's also my responsibility to tell you what my rules and regulations are if I'm the landlord renting the mm -hmm. apartment, right? Or on behalf of the landlord. So that's the way that I would do it. And to be honest with you, like residents that I've had 
in contact with, the residents wouldn't come to me and be like, Christina told me da 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 da, right? Because they knew up front that I was honest with them, but I would hear the so and so didn't tell me about this. And then in my head, I'm like, typical so and so, like, if you just took the time to just, you know, explain to them, we wouldn't be in this situation because I don't, I've learned, you know, at an early age that anytime you deal with anybody's money, anybody's home, anyone's family, it's very personal, you know, and that is dealing with someone's livelihood, you know, and so I just wanted to make sure that they understood what they were signing and felt comfortable where they were going to live six months, 12 months. I don't care if it's a month, you are going to know what, what the rules and regulations are. I'm curious if your advice stands kind of true and remains the same for um, just like kind of general advice or for a master's program or for a PhD program, because at least in, in my experience, when I was in a doctoral program, I was able to take advantage of subsidized family housing. Mm -hmm. And it was nice because you had, I believe at the time, up to six years that you could be there. And, um, you know, the, the rent was also kind of controlled. So we, we didn't have any like major increases in our rent. And I wouldn't have been able to afford living in that area otherwise. And so I'm curious, like how might this conversation shift in any way when you're thinking about housing in grad school or housing in a master's program, since master's programs tend to be one, two, sometimes three years. So it's not mm -hmm. as long of a period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you got to think about the demographics of who subsidized housing and affordable housing was built for. Unfortunately, they weren't built for someone with a master's degree making $100,000 a year. You know what I'm saying? To the government, they're like, you make way too much money. You can afford market rent. Realistically, we can't afford market rent because you got to make like at least 120, I think 150 in San Francisco to even afford a three, $4,000 rent, which even that's outrageous, right? So the demographics or the people that are um, in subsidized housing or that qualify for it, it is, you know, very low and low moderate income, right? So you're talking about, right. you know, a, a, a individual or a family that makes under 30,000 or under 50,000. Every county has certain, you know, income limits, of course. It's higher in San Jose, right? In Silicon Valley than if it were like somewhere in Oakland, right? Um, but, and that's in general across the state. And so, um, it's, it's hard. I haven't, unless you have a rent control building or unless you knew somebody that can kind of hook you up with affordable housing. Um, that's the only time I've heard where, you know, someone has lived in those programs um, while a graduate student. But unfortunately, because now we're professionals, right? And we're making more money. The goal is to make more money, right? Mm -hmm. So we can afford, you know, um, these spaces. And unfortunately, we don't qualify for affordable housing. Like I wouldn't qualify for affordable housing, you know? Um, even if it's just one income, um, four people to them, they're right. like money. So, it, I mean, I had those conversations with residents and it sucks because they're like, hold on, I'm trying to like not be poor and I'm trying to make more money and I'm trying to do overtime so I can put food on the table. But you're telling me now that I overqualify for this program because I'm just trying to basically survive. Right. Believe me, I've had those conversations and I'm like, it sucks because I agree with the resident, but it's not my program. It's the county's program that the landlord is participating in. And for, for housing purposes um, and for legal purposes, we have to abide by those rules. And so a lot of people think that I, we, we can just, you know, give anybody housing. You know, there's also regulations that landlords have to follow um, for the fact that they're given, um, you know, these low affordable rates for residents. Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point uh, about how as 
there is this kind of class mobility and folks kind of work their way up, you kind of get stuck because you're making more, but then your expenses get higher or cost of living is higher or inflation goes up. And all of a sudden you're still, you know, barely making ends meet, working paycheck to paycheck. And you don't feel like you're kind of like, you know, you, you no longer have access to the other resources that you had when, when you were kind of of a different income bracket. So mm -hmm. I, um, I get that. And uh, it's something for students to kind of keep in mind as they're navigating their master's programs, because once they are in those degrees, once they have those advanced degrees and get those jobs there, they might find themselves in the, that position. Anything else you want to share um, when it comes to funding in particular, like funding for master's programs is a big topic that comes up, um, at least for me uh, in grad school femtoring, folks are constantly asking me. And one of the first things I say is that unfortunately, there's not as much funding for master's programs as there are, for instance, for doctoral programs, but you can, like I have seen cases where folks have been able to fund their master's programs, at least partially through a scholarship or um, almost all of it through TAing, but that's not always the case. I'm curious about maybe your experience in a master's program or um, just anything you wanna share about kind of how to fund your master's degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that is definitely the number one question I always get with Latinas with masters is how to fund it, you know, and unfortunately, I wish I had like a simple answer, a simple ta-da, like, yes, this is this is the route to do it, right? <laughs> just um, apply to this and you're good. <laughs> know, cool, don't even trip about it. It'll, it'll come yeah. to you, right? Um, no, but I feel like, you know, man, I wish we could hold more employers and more, um, uh, what you call it, the financial aid more accountable, you know, there needs to be more, you know, tuition reimbursement, tuition programs, you know, um, especially if we are advancing our career to get into this industry, right, you should be able to help me fund my education, I'm investing back into your business. And sometimes there's no guarantee that you're going to get no. that coveted, like, six-figure job after you get your master's, so that's the part that gets to me, is like, okay, so you're having, you're expecting that all these people take out these exorbitant amount of loans, but you're not guaranteeing a job, and then what, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, I've, I've heard the same, like, fellowships, um, you know, tuition reimbursement. Um, there are certain jobs that definitely will help you with, um, uh, you know, with your tuition. If if you commit to a year, either during your program or after your program, I've heard a lot of those. Um, I've heard people like, I have loans, but I only take out exactly what my tuition is. You know, I don't use the remainder difference to use for my book expense or my housing expense, you know, which I know could be tough. Um, so I've heard that as well. So when you graduate, you know, you're only really paying back truly the cost of your degree versus like the amount that financial aid approved you for, right? Um, I know it's it's hard scholarships, but I feel like anybody can say scholarships, but the whole thing is like applying for it, qualifying for it, you know, being yeah, seen, that's a whole other job too. Being like, mm -hmm. it's not just applying; it's like being awarded also about it, you know. Um, yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like this is something I'm constantly researching. I'm constantly just trying to share information as I come along. I really hope that uh, President Biden, you know, cancels our student loan debt. I mean, oh. it's like, you know, <laughs> I've it's like been waiting. <laughs> I know right now, I think there's like a meme or there's like a, a thing going viral where like you put money on the floor and then you put like, you know, like a saying. And I saw somebody put like money, like dollar bills, and it says cancel our loans or like buy, Biden and cancel our loans. 
but they're on the floor, just hella like, you know, like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm patiently waiting, but it's like too patiently. But you bring up um, a very good point, you know, as students, if you think about it, when you turn 18, right, you're not qualified, you know, to buy a car or to buy a home because you don't have enough credit. Rent a car too. But somehow I'm qualified for this like 20, 30,000 loan, student loan. You know what I'm saying? Like how, what's the difference between a student loan and like a 30,000 loan? It's still a loan. A loan is a loan. You know what I'm saying? A contract is a contract. And so that's the thing that I, you know, I- There's no financial literacy. There's no personal finance that's required. And even during my time, actually, now I think they do require that students like- take this module or whatever where they learn about what loans are but when I was an undergrad I never got that I didn't get a single word from anyone telling me what it meant what to sign what Mm -hmm. I was signing off on I didn't even know how much exactly I was (laughs) it was terrible I mean it's it's shameful for me to acknowledge like how little I knew and then even more shameful for the institution to take advantage of individuals like myself and like so many others who have come after us. Um, so yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I get what you're saying and I feel like it's just completely unjust and unfair um, to a whole kind of, a whole set of like low-income working class um, folks who are just trying trying to find their way out and it disproportionately affects people of color it especially disproportionately affects black folks too oh for sure yeah that's why um there is a new law that went into place that before you buy a home like for example when i bought a home a certain percentage of like my monthly payment was considered um towards my debt right so hypothetically you owe two hundred thousand, right whatever your monthly payment is that's how much they're saying that your student loan debt is right but now they have it where if like your loan is say you're paying 200 bucks a month then that they're only calculating you know a year's worth of that 200 dollars payment that's considered your student loan payment debt right so instead of 200,000 it could be you know 20,000 or 12,000 you know whatever that amount is um and so uh there's you know there's and because of that, what you said, you know, uh, students of color are the ones that unfortunately are the ones hit the most when it comes to home ownership, right? Because we have more student loan debt, you know, we don't have, you know, um, our parents helping us out or paying for our tuition. And so um, that's something that I try to educate people on a lot is just, you know, to become homeowners as well. If you have student loan debt, you know, make sure that when you talk to your mortgage broker, that in Cal, at least in California, uh, well, no, if it's Biden, I'm pretty sure it's federal, but um, just to make sure the way, the, the way that they're calculating your student loan debt is not affecting your overall- um, The debt to income ratio? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I'm glad that you're doing that because that's, I feel like that could be a whole other topic is like <laughs> home ownership, like that, for the longest I didn't think it was even feasible for me to own a home I did purchase a home in 2020 and then sold it 
<laughs> then yeah. sold it a year later because of life happening. But it, it didn't seem conceivable just when I thought about my partner and I and our student debt and where we came from and being like first-gen homeowners. That it just didn't seem like a possibility. But it's good that you're mentioning that there are pathways towards homeownership, even if you do have student debt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so kind of I know we're getting close to the time and I want to make sure to that you cover, you know, everything that you wanted to share when it comes to housing funding. And also, I want to hear a little bit more about Latinas with masters. And I know you kind of mentioned it earlier, but I want to hear more about like how that got started and maybe kind of where you're at with it now and like the future of Latinas with masters, just because I think I want to see more platforms like that. You know, I want to collaborate in some way, shape or form. I think that a lot of us are doing kind of um, parallel type of work where we're trying to help others out, help our community. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, you know, to to share kind of share about each other's work. So tell us a little bit more about Latinas with Masters. Absolutely. So, um, you know, as I said earlier, I created Latinas with Masters because I was navigating or I was going to start navigating the journey of you know, PhD and, and doctorate. Um, and I wanted to create a space for, you know, um, Latinas and women of color who really everyone, but I feel like that was more like my focus group. Um, you know, if you're an undergrad and you wanted to get into a graduate program, you know, here's this information or, hey, you're in a graduate program now and you're going through some shit and you're just like, am I the only one type of thing? Or, hey, I already have my master's, but I want to continue with my doctorate program in a program or I have or I am a, I am a doctora, right? And this is what I can share back in my, to my community. So those are kind of like the three pillars, I like to call it. But it honestly, you know, Latinas with Masters is more than just a degree. It's literally a community beyond academia. And that's where I touch the business and the housing portion, right? We talk about housing through academia. Um, and then I talk about businesses as well. I like love that you do that. Yes. Start your own business, you know, um, corporate America, you know, like negotiate your salary, interview, what microaggressions look like in a workplace, like all that stuff, you know, things that I'm here basically to be, you know your homegirl that business school, graduate school is not going to tell you, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because I already went through this shit. And so if I knew what I knew back then, yeah, 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 I'll have a different life, I'll have a different story. But the reality is, is that I'm here now. And so then I can definitely share those, you know, challenges that I've had. So you can have a better, you know, uh, opportunity in whatever it is that you want to um, aspire, you know? And so- Man, where Latinas with Master is now. I actually started it because I was talking to my husband and I was like, I want to create like, you know, marketing by nature, right? I'm like, I want to create this online thing. Like I already have the colors, I have this, I have that. And then I'm like something with like Latinas and something with like masters, but I don't know what it could be. And my husband's like, Latina with masters. <laughs> Sometimes the most obvious is the Good. thing. Like for me, I was like, what do I do? Like femtor. What do I femtor about? Grad school. <laughs> yeah, it was exactly like that, girl. I was like, there you go. And I did it. Clearly, you know? like it's a hit because it was I know you terrific. have over like 10K or who knows, you probably have like 15K or even the list is growing of followers on your social media. So <laughs> there yeah, is so clearly a need. Yeah, my husband likes to feel like he's like my executive producer over there, right? So he's like <laughs> so silent co-founder, right? Of um, Latinos with Masters. But um, 
oh my God, now that I'm in my program and now it's like, I'm getting all of these messages of like, damn, where were you when I was going to graduate mm -hmm. school? Or like, I wish I had someone like you or like these women yes. that were spotlighting in graduate school or like, hey, I've been going through this bullshit. Share this because I don't want nobody else to go through it. I mean, I am getting all types of vibes, right? Um, so when I'm listening and I'm like, okay, cool. Who is, you know, academia or your job or anybody to tell you to validate your experience you know mm -hmm. like I'm also here to be that like Latina empowerment to be like to who though like to whose validations to whose expectations we have to meet right um yes I'm I'm promoting that you you know if you want to get a graduate degree and if you want to be the expert in your field yes it is a piece of paper at the end of the day and yes it's like you know promoting you know white academic spaces I'm not denying that what I'm saying is that there needs to be more people that look like us in these spaces so we can interrogate all that bullshit that we're navigating so my kids and your kids don't have to do that go through that that's that's what I'm advocating here that's what I mean white supremacy do. is everywhere so oh God, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of hard exhausted. to get away from it Thank whether you. it's in academia exhausted. or outside <laughs> yeah. yeah but um but yeah, where Latinas with Masters is going to the future. Oh my God, girl. Like I created a podcast because a lot of people yes. are like, you know, can I be a podcast guest? Or like, I want, you know, to share your journey or someone else. I just started podcast. listening to you, by the way. Oh my God. Thank <laughs> I listened you, to your Reflections okay. episode. I was like, mm, I like her. <laughs> oh, hold on, girl. Listen, I record and I hit send and I'm like, vaya con Dios. I don't do editing. I'm like, it is what it is. It is what it is. Like, this is what you get, right? But man, oh my God, I see myself in so many spaces like of Latinas with Masters. Like I definitely want to start publishing people's work, whether that's nice. their capstone, their thesis, or like, hey, this is my journey as a Nicaragüense that is first generation. Like it doesn't have to be just in academia. It's just like our stories in general, right? Um, I'm going to be starting the membership soon with Latinas with Masters and hopefully nice. getting more speakers and more partnerships with, you know, companies that want to you know promote or um you know just advance you know higher education um oh my god girl like if people were to ask me like who do you see yourself as you know like who what is latino masters i honestly it's, it's i say like it's like Issa ray meets cardi b you know what i'm saying like those <laughs> two people is what like I'm trying to have Latinas with masters be you know what I'm oh saying? my gosh that would be my BFF because it's like I've got the awkwardness and then that yes. wild side <laughs> correct yeah there's hood me and then there's evolved me and then there's like all that other stuff right um but yeah it's just us showing up authentically who we are in these space in these spaces to be honest with you and that's what Latinas with masters is about I'm all about diversity equity inclusion and belonging I'm sure we've all heard that a million times but it's just like AI asks those questions during job interviews I ask those questions when I'm helping someone look for graduate programs you know what I'm saying like I'm asking the tough questions right um and I can tell a calculated PR response or I can tell you know the hey we're not perfect but we're trying yeah it's all about transparency to me you know so um yeah. And then, you know, just currently I do offer graduate advising services. So if someone's interested in getting into graduate school and they're like, hey, can you look over my personal statement or can you help me kind of fine tune my resume or like I'm considering these colleges? What do you think if you want my opinion? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to be batting an eye for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, OK, what are you looking forward to? That program doesn't have it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not here to like sugarcoat it. I'm really here to tell you because that's a lot of money you're going to be investing, mm -hmm. right? 
And the last thing you want to be is sitting in a class and be like, damn, I hate this program or damn, this is not what I want to do. And if you do come to that realization, like I said, in my reflection, then, then don't continue. You know what I'm saying? Give yourself time to like reflect and then be like, I'm going to go to a different program or like, you know what? I tried graduate school and it's not for me. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the part where I'm trying to like encompass here is like, don't try to meet other people's expectations, meet your own expectations of whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, girl, I feel like I'm just like, I'm just a cheerleader. I'm just like the home girl. I'm going to be like, I'm going to tell you, you know, how it is, you know, and, um, and then you make the final decision, you know, like, I'm just here to support you in however way that I can. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna ask for your links after this. So that way we can put them on the show notes. Um, okay. Two last questions. Second to last question that I have for you is any final words of advice for my listeners who are predominantly first gen students of color? Mm-hmm. Um, advice for what school life uh, any like and I would say life <laughs> because life. at this yeah. point everything you've covered I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm like all grad talk right um, <laughs> you know to be honest with you one thing that it really helped me kind of evolve as like having a growth mindset is like not to sweat the small stuff seriously mm-hmm. like learn how to choose your battles girl it's so hard to get to that point i was on a battlefield girl i'm talking about every fight came my way we were chunking them then i'm like wait wait, hold up can you tell us what's your sun sign (laughs) so i'm a capricorn okay (laughs) so what's my sun sign damn it you know what we had this we had the discussion in my class one day because I said something like this. I'm like, where's that fiery, fieriness come, coming from? Yes. And my professor's like, what's your sign? And I was like, Capricorn, you're an earth. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm like, what is happening here? What's my sun rising? What's my moon? I was like, okay. They were like, your homework next class is to bring me your sun sign and your moon sign. And your like, bring your, your whole chart. <laughs> you got to know what time you were born. You got to know when yeah. I'm like, oh, on a Wednesday at 1250. Well, yes, don't sweat the small stuff. Seriously. There's a book on it. If you have the chance to buy the book, buy the book. And there's what I love is that there's different versions. Like don't sweat the small stuff in love. Don't sweat the small stuff in the workplace. And it gives you examples. And I literally was like, oh, that makes so much sense. You know, I'm not saying like, don't stand up for your rights, you know, definitely if it's something that's unethical or that doesn't, you know, meet your values, you know, stuff like that, definitely fight for those. But certain things I'm like, "Mm, you know what? I'm not going to give in my energy today. Like, no, not not today. And and to be honest with you, those are the ones where I was just like, I'm so glad that I didn't because it wasn't even worth it because you can't change a person. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that would be my advice is don't sweat the small stuff. Definitely pick and choose your battles. Um, you know, and I honestly feel like you would, you would definitely, you know, hopefully live a more purposeful life. You know what I'm saying? I love it. Okay. So I know a lot of folks listening to this are gonna like, want to just follow you, support you right now. So how can folks reach you? All right. All right. So you can holla at me at or connect uh, with you or follow you. Yeah, me, me, email me, all that stuff. So I have a website, latinaswithmasters.com that has more information about like what I do and stuff like that. Um, And then um, you can follow me on all social media platforms at Latinas with Masters. Um, That's Instagram, Facebook, um, LinkedIn, 
Twitter. Oh my God. I feel like I got to like all of them, all the social media <laughs> platforms. Just follow me there. Um, and then you can also email me at latinaswithmasters at gmail.com. That's more of like the general inbox that I have for stuff. Um, I also have Latinas with Masters merch. Um, I'll also be updating that as well. But, you know, um, just just represent, you know, like just a lot of people are like, I want a shirt. I need a hat. I need a beanie. Girl, my friends from the city are like, I need a hooded sweater. I'm like, okay, well, I got to like, I got to switch it up here. So, <laughs> um, so I have all that. Um, Let me know when you ship internationally. <laughs> Internationally, girl, I will personally ship you internationally. I don't think like my ship, my shipment warehouse does, but um, I will definitely do it, girl. I will hook you up. But, um, and then the podcast, of course, the Latinas with Masters podcast, but definitely stay tuned because I have a lot of partnerships in the works with big brands that you guys, you know, um, are just normally or not normally, but that are like right now interacting with, you know, that you see on social media. And so I'm so happy that these um, brands and platforms have reached out to me because they're definitely seeing the influence that Latinas with Masters have when it comes to the community and just represent representation. And so, um, again, everything that I do is it is for the benefit of you guys, you know, and everybody that listens and everybody that's coming up. Like, I'm here to, to, you know, to share the template of like what this looks like. If you want to do what I'm doing, I'll help you too. You know, there's room for all of us yes. to make money. And to like come up and help each other. That's know, that growth mindset. We all need more of that. <laughs> that is. Listen, I wish I had that and I didn't have that. And so I'm changing that, you know, instead of like dwelling on that or like letting that define me, I'm like changing that, you know what I'm saying? And so again, that's just, I'm telling you, don't sweat the small stuff. You just got to keep it moving. <laughs> Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming and sharing a wealth of knowledge, information, gems with our listeners. I know that they gained a lot from it because I know I did. Um, I really appreciate you and just taking the time to, to share space with us. No, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yvette. You're definitely going to be a podcast guest on Latinas with Masters. I'm trying to theme it out. So I'm doing some love <laughs> right now for season two because now I got guys reaching out talking about what's up with the guys. We got masters too, you know? <laughs> All right, fine. I'll give you some love. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but yeah, no, definitely. You'll definitely be a, a, a guest on my podcast as well. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me in the Grad School Femme Drawing Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or email me your review at gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com. You can also show your support by going to gradschoolfemtouring.com and joining my mailing list where you'll receive weekly tips, podcast and blog updates, as well as discounts for my digital downloads, online courses, and much more. One last thing. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Until next time.